Good morning, everyone. My friends, the child's laughing at the gospel because the child hears the humor uh, that sometimes the adults don't get. But we're going to talk about that today. Friends, our first reading speaks of that God has both the knowledge and the power, if he chooses to, to root out evil uh, in, the, in the world and, or evil that's done in the world. Uh, but this reading talks about his leniency um, and how we ought to imitate it, really. And um, the church and indeed the world is like a field. Last week I spoke about how you are the soil. This parable uh, looks at it that way too, but on a greater level and looks at uh, and tries to explain uh, patience versus impatience, good versus evil, the world, people in the world, and, or, if you will, organic institutions like the church also, the side by side until they are separated uh, at the harvest time. And Christ's parable uh, originally addressed the problem about sinners in the kingdom of God. And uh, the Pharisees believed that the kingdom was for saints only. Uh, sinners should be ruthlessly tortured and thrown away. Um, but Christ did not agree and his parables tell us that. And my friends, we say, well, that was a long time ago. Actually, in the history of the church itself, there was a time when uh, a heretical group called the Donatists existed. And they felt that the Roman Catholic Church, Mother Church, should not have sinners near it. In it, nothing. They're to be driven away, executed. You see the, you hear the, you hear the pharisaic piece of this. And uh, so the church had to uh, deal with that and show restraint the way Jesus spoke about. And uh, the main point of the parable is clear. Um, up to the last judgment, the kingdom will be a mixed bag of good and evil. Uh, in the same way, um, sinners in the church will always be present. And uh, my friends, um, as I move into the very body, uh, I'd like to uh, use the scriptures uh, to remind us about God. It comes from the book of Psalms, and it's Psalm 130. And here, King David is uh, the author, and he says, Out of the depths I call to you, Lord. Lord, hear my cry. May your ears be attentive to my cry of mercy. If you, Lord, keep account of sins, Lord, who can stand before you? But with you is forgiveness, and so you are revered. And here in the Greek, revered means to be loved, to be worshipped. And what King David is getting at is, is God's mercy and leniency that wins over the person ultimately. Our second reading sometimes always seems kind of just coming out of nowhere compared to the first, and that's St. Paul. But uh, So we hear that the Holy Spirit helps us when we don't know what to pray. And based on our gospel and our first reading, uh, what the Christians should not be doing is, Lord, bring down your condemnation and punishment and judgment on that person who has done this to me. Wrong prayer. And this is what the Holy Spirit would teach us to pray differently. Hence, the gospel reading then tells all of us disciples to reflect on faith and to reflect on how it grows. It speaks about good and evil. It speaks about the very patience of God. And um, 
With our first reading, we Christians are challenged to look not only at our world, but ourselves also. And as I said last week, to reassess what we truly value uh, and to discover if we have strong values and strong virtues like our Lord, patience, forgiveness, compassion, faithfulness. Those virtues are uh, necessary, particularly as we look around the world, which consists of people who are, do both good and people who do wicked things. In the parable, the weeds um, are, um, as we spoke about before in past homilies, they're known as darnel or taras. And this weed is very, uh, very poisonous. And it is very powerful. It means, uh, as you guys know from your own property, weeds just never stop. They are, they're a nightmare. <laughs> and they, they seem to be very powerful, meaning that they grow and they grow and they grow. And um, Darnell or Taurus has been, uh, another word for it is known as uh, the, the evil twin of wheat because it looks just like it. And you cannot discover that it is different until it is almost fully grown. And um, to sow darnel uh, back in Jesus' time among wheat was an act of revenge. And it was punishable by Roman law because that darnel was so poisonous. The only realistic possibility for a farmer who had this done to him, uh, despite his, him wanting to retaliate, perhaps, was patience. It was an uncomfortable tolerance of the weed until the time came when he could safely separate them. My friends, God acts the same with good and bad people until he will make his great gathering. Meanwhile, Christians, as we read from the Book of Wisdom, it suggests, uh, must reflect the holiness of God. The book was written about a century before Christ um, to the Jews of Alexandria, the Book of Wisdom. And those people were experiencing a great deal of pain uh, at the hands of the Egyptians. Uh, they mocked them, and they ridiculed them, and they persecuted them. And the author of the book reminded the, uh, what we would know as the Alexandrian Jews uh, that God has ultimate power and that they must put their faith and that's their trust in God. The first reading is a beautiful picture of the God whom we believe in. God whose power is unlimited, whose mercy is abundant, and whose concern extends to all of his creation. God loves everything that he has created. His creation can displease him, meaning us. <laughs> I'm not talking about the trees. <laughs> the trees do not displease God. But we have been given something different. We have soul. We have gift of free will that even Jesus himself would not step upon. And in this we see our actions can be displeasing to God. He never stops loving. You know how I've told you this very clear. You cannot stop God from loving you. You do not have that power for it is what he does. But we do have the ability, if you will, to displease him. God's justice is above suspicion and his judgment is understanding. This is what the scriptures tell us. God's desire is for all his creatures to return to him with all their hearts and with all their strength. 
God does not desire that any of his creation, in particular his children, be lost and separated from him for all eternity. Recall the words Jesus, that saying, um, he said that that saying might be fulfilled, which you spoke, of those you gave me I have lost none. John 18. Jesus came that we may all have life and life to the full, but that we would be saved. And yet, uh, we had the ominous words, uh, the enemy came and sowed weeds. That phrase um, from the parable of the wheat and weeds points to a reality that apply universally why there is evil in the world, but there is good also. Why uh, inside the church there are saints and sinners. Why within our communities there are those who do wicked and those who do good. And uh, we can apply the parable even to our hearts at times. And uh, this parable lets us know that life is a mixture uh, in which there will be good and evil, that life on earth is a spiritual struggle uh, between good and evil. And evil never stops trying to destroy God's dream. What is that dream? That dream is that you would spend eternity with him. Last night I told the folks, why don't we give God what he dreams of? Our love, our faithfulness, so that we may spend eternity with him. He desires this. Using our first reading in the gospel reading, we should take to heart and have comfort knowing, as Jesus told us, of a God who is close and whom, with his grace, we can imitate in our daily lives. So as a disciple of Jesus, what do we do uh, in the midst of when we encounter evil? And we will. And my friends, the thing about evil, evil in the world is not just error of thought, and evil in the world is not just mistakes, uh, whether they be delivered or not. Uh, evil is not just imperfections. Uh, evil has the power to destroy, and it uh, does so with such intensity, and it is driven by a personal being. You know who I'm talking about. I don't even want to bring his name up in this house. But uh, he drives the intense power of evil. But uh, as the scriptures tell us, grace abounds. And, um, and grace has power, of course. And it too is present. And the Christian is to watch for it and to be sustained by it and to not go into despair because one sees so much evil at times. Look, as I said last week, look for the good and be sustained by that, be motivated. The presence of Christ can be found everywhere, but it is always found in the good. And uh, uh, Jesus tells us God is always close, and with his grace we can do the same thing. And we must never respond with violence. Evil is not destroyed by evil. Jesus spoke about that. How can Satan throw out Beelzebub? <laughs> it's not possible. Violence begets violence. Evil actions begets evil actions. We are not to respond to evil with that. 
simply look at the scriptures, how did Jesus respond to it? And uh, goodness is the weapon uh, against wickedness, amongst many things, uh, love. And we should first sustain our goodness until the end. That will require patience and perseverance. We need to pray for those virtues. We need to pray uh, for those who do evil. I'm being very careful about how I word that, not to say evil people, but people who do evil. And uh, uh, we should be discerning of evil, evil subtle ways. We need to be on guard. Uh, evil likes to masquerade as good in order to deceive. We see that uh, in many ways, but a lot of times in the way certain governments uh, go about doing things. This is for the good of you, but in reality it is a very wicked and evil thing that it will happen. We need to pray for the virtue of good discernment then. We need to remain faithful. We need to trust our God in all things. We need to remain steadfast and be like him. Again, this would uh, be by having the virtues of love and compassion and forgiveness and understanding and mildness. However, having these virtues and sharing in God's mildness and compassion does not mean that we agree with uh, those who do wicked things or evil things or those who say that all morality is relative and that there is no objective moral standard, which is a lie. It does mean using good discernment and walking that fine line between self-righteous judgment and permissiveness. And which says that anything goes and is acceptable. For me, um, people often ask um, about God and why he permits things, and the parable tries to get at this. You have to remember, God's judgment is final. There's no going back for God. God's judgment is final, and it is eternal. Because Father's working on things to be holy and to be loving as he is. And we have to remember that God's judgment is final. When he pronounces judgment, it is eternal. So God is very patient and lenient with us. It's final. No one comes back from it. That judgment is not so good, right? And my friends, um, our Heavenly Father sends us warnings all the time. He warns us, not in a bitter, spiteful way, but in a loving way. Change. Change your ways that you may spend eternity with me. Over and over and over again. I'm not talking just about the church and its saints and its prophets. I'm talking about personally in your life, you know God has shown you that is not good for you. This is the wrong thing to do. God is very merciful, but uh, his judgment will come. And it will be final. So we need to be careful. And in this world, um, I know people do very wicked things, and they can do very harmful things to us. And um, that being said, I want to tell you that in my years now, I've come to understand 
when it comes to health. You cannot do that to me. I will not. But spiritual harm, I've discerned and I've come as your pastor to understand that only I do that to myself. And so when I hear, uh, well, because you said this, I no longer believe in God. I don't have that kind of power over you. You had a problem with God before me. Don't blame me for it. And certainly don't give me that kind of power. I don't have that ability. But I also, what helps me uh, when I've been harmed, uh, and particularly in this world that has so much violence of late, uh, in this world, people can slip through the justice system. And they do. No one. No one. Whether they believe in God or not, no one will escape God's justice. Nobody. God will handle it for me. Yeah, sometimes that leaves a bitter taste in my mouth. But better to release it and move on, knowing that no one escapes. God's perception, no one escapes his justice, but also no one escapes his mercy when he's called for it. Amen. Amen.